Today's podcast is brought to you by our friends at Amp Bee's Home Creations. And though the star of the show is Fred the Skull-Shaped Candle, there's so much more to enjoy. Unique gaming and wellness candles, skin relief creams, and quite literally anything you can dream up with their custom-designed candle options. And the best part, if you act fast, that promo code DRESDEN will get you a full 15% off store-wide until March 31st. Visit today at AuntBeesHomeCreations.etsy.com. Enjoy the show! Hi everybody, I'm Josh. And I am Alyssa. And we are back with today's episode of The Podcast Was On Fire. And it wasn't my fault. A spoiler-free run-through where we dig into the good, the great, and the problematic of the Dresden Files series by Jim Butcher. Boy, oh boy. Today we are looking at Grave Peril. Part four, Grave Peril, which is book three. And we're going part four, which is chapters 19 through 24. Mm -hmm. I'm not a math guy. Counting to six. I know I got five fingers. It's hard. Uh, 19 to 24 are the chapters. And this is book three. So right in the middle of a square down the middle of book three. And uh, really good, very interesting. A lot of fun stuff happens. Uh, a lot different from last week's chunk, right? Last week was more lore mm -hmm. heavy and this is more action heavy. Um, still get a lot of good stuff, but uh, how are you doing today, Liz? Good. It's pouring down rain here, so it's kind of an adventure. Yeah, it's been raining like crazy down in the real California as well. Um, it feels like we're in <laughs> NorCal, Oregon sogginess. Um, it's very mm -hmm. distressing, but uh, it... I went out for a bike ride today at the exact hour of sunshine, which was very lucky. Oh, that's although, cool. Although I was overdressed, so it was very warm. But I'll take, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll tell you what. Um, but yeah, I, we did notice, and by we, I mean our trusty listeners noticed that I completely skipped over asking you about your crackpot theory of the week last week. And it was is, a good one. I totally, I did totally forget it. It's absurd. I'm glad I'm not a listener because that's one of my favorite parts. And I would have been angry. I would have <laughs> sent an angry letter. Um, a very pointed email, but, uh, do you want to fill us in with what it was? You bet. So it's, it adds to my, everything is not what they seem. And there's a lot of, there's more supernaturals running about in Chicago than we previously expected. No and way. This, this time it's Mr. <laughs> oh, I'm good. sure Mr. Is like a familiar or some shit. And the fact that he's totally cool with Bob, just hopping on board so they can gallivant around the city. I mean, come on. Uh, but, you know, and he, him talking in the dream sequence where, he, you know, Mr. wakes him up. I know Bob is on board, but still. I just think that uh, there's a, there were a couple moments where I was just like, huh, maybe Mr. Is a, is a witch's familiar or a wizard's familiar or something. Or like we were discussing how Salem used to, the, the cat from Sabrina the Teenage Witch of the 90s. FYI for whomever doesn't <laughs> realize that we were talking about that Salem. Uh that, like Salem is a witch caught in a cat's body. Maybe Mister same same deal. Just does just doesn't have such a sparky dialogue. But yeah, something would, else is non-human. You mean to Mister? Come on, that's Curse true. Mister into a you know cat. All the cat bodies gets taken care of. <laughs> um, either way, Mister is such a cutie. Um, we do love Mister. 
All righty. Good stuff. I apologize for butting you <laughs> out of uh, that last week. Sheesh. We really need an expert running this show. Oh, uh, goodness. Beyond that, um, let's, uh, you want to catch everybody up where we're at in the show, in the show, where we're at, keep calling it a show, where we're at in the novel, and then we'll, I'll hop into the first chapter here. So, uh, we, at the end of chapter 18, we find out that this creature is going to be coming after those that were there when it was destroyed or killed, much like a ghost. And so that's when... Bob and Harry realize that this thing's going after Murphy. And so his, he needs to get to Murphy. He needs to save Murphy. And that's how chapter 18 ended. Absolutely. So dire straits Mm -hmm. for our heroes. And not just to save the day thing for Murphy. And that was the one thing that, um, because we always have this, oh, he needs to save the damsel in distress. But in this case, it was very much not saving a damsel in distress. It was true danger, which I appreciated. Yeah. The difference between distress and actual danger. Yes. Um, there's, you know, the, also the, uh, like in Full Moon, where he was kind of projecting distress and some issues mm-hmm. on her versus this, where she's, even though he tries to help, she gets fucked up. Yeah. Uh, difference between, uh, my kids a lot i talk about being hurt versus injured you know something you get punched in the arm it hurts but mm-hmm. if you tear a muscle you're injured you're trying to understand yes. the s- similar but different little things there um i like true that danger uh, true i like danger. that phrasing from you there very good stuff mm-hmm. so so harry no- recognized that it's going to go after murphy but also he knows it might go after michael as well you know trying to form the connection of who this nightmare is going after is people who are around the death of that or the destruction of that demon mm-hmm. when they were at the Kravos bust. So Michael's also on the hook, uh, but he has a, a great little uh, conversation with himself here about basically he's doing triage, you know, a medic on a battlefield. This patient has no chance of surviving. That one does, but only if you let a third one die. For me, the equation broke down into fairly simple elements. The demon hungry for its revenge would come after those who had struck it down. The ghost would only remember those who had been there, whom it had focused on in those last moments. That meant that Murphy and Michael would be its remaining targets. Michael had a chance of protecting himself against the thing. Hell, maybe a better chance than me. Murphy didn't. I like that, that thought process there and the fact that he puts Michael and Murphy on equal footing yes. in this scenario. Again, Murphy has moved beyond being... He obviously gives her shit for being a lady, but he's giving her shit. He, he, mm-hmm. She is a person, with a full character with full, you know, she is on, on par with Michael in this scenario. It's not like he's going to Murphy because she's the lady. He's going to Murphy because she doesn't have an, a sword given to her by, a, you know, some power that, power that be, power that be, power that is. One of the powers that be. Singular power that, yeah. By a power that is. <laughs> so that's a really cool and mature and anti-yikesy paragraph right there that I yes. love. And I, it, again, Murphy is on a higher standard in this because she's earned it, but she certainly is treated as a, an, a full actor in this story, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, so he calls Murphy and this exchange is, again, this is kind of just annoying. Murphy's annoying sometimes where she just gets angry. For, ah, I'm just, ah, you know, I guess she hasn't slept. Sure. I get it. But 
where he's like, I'm going to be there in 10 minutes, in 20 minutes. She's like, oh, you're going to be late? He's like, no, what What do you mean? So he realizes that fake him, the nightmare, called her pretending to be him, saying he's going to be there in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so it causes this kind of sitcom-y confusion that would be played for fun, you know, humor in that scenario. But here it's just similarly, similarly not really believable but just played for frustration exactly yeah but the thing is is it it makes sense as to why she like you just called me you know like that's the thing where it's like i kind of understand why she's pissed off and annoyed yeah but he would just say that wasn't me that was a fake me you're in trouble run i i, I don't know I, I again it's easy for me to say that in hindsight yeah she's also really fucking tired she said she hasn't slept for two days and she's just like you said you're going to be here in 10 minutes what the fuck do you want like get here you know like why are you calling me now you're calling so, me that means you haven't even left yet asshole no i, I guess that's fair i get yeah. it yeah well and this scene this this scene also because when she hangs up and he tries to call her back this scene also is it's a uh the time the time is a hamstringing feature where we don't him, have him not having us well they do exist but he can't have one right so well, him that, having a cell they, phone here solves it yeah yeah they're not as as uh common then so i kind of i i do sort of love that it is rather dated but it does definitely ground you in that time period yeah, for a, sure a busy signal <laughs> yes and for the children who are listening who don't know what a busy signal is <laughs> you didn't used to have call waiting your phone wouldn't just go to voicemail or the answering machine. Go ahead. You know, you know what's funny about that said statement there mm. is you dated yourself while trying to like do a joke dating because call yes. waiting is also. Oh my god! What the fuck is call waiting? <laughs> Boomer. That's true. That's true. <laughs> hey, I'm Gen X. Thank you very much. There used to be <laughs> one line and one line only, and there was nothing else. Yep. Uh, so mm -hmm. uh, and no caller ID. You just had to answer the phone. You didn't know who was calling. And if someone was on the internet, like, oh, my God, it was oh whole, God. even worse. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely useful. And I, I do love that. Again, we talked about I, I, way back when I talked about ways to kind of cap his power level mm -hmm. and basically make it so that he isn't just, you know, Superman problems, what I refer to it as. But just the idea of like being too powerful for any of the stories to make sense. Having this technological hamstringing that slows down all of his communication when it is sometimes it feels fake that the lack of communication, you know, pushes the story forward. But in this case, you're right. Like he tried calling her back and it was busy because it's 2001 or whatever. And mm -hmm. it, it, that's a real problem that existed yeah. back then, uh, it's, which is kind of funny. Although I would imagine there'd be like a operator or something from the, you know, a dispatch, but maybe, yeah. well, there would be, I mean, you could probably get her by radio. Um, because yeah. she's a cop. Yeah, I mean, she's at the station, so there's someone else he could have called. And that's true. I, I, but there, he, there he might solutions. not. He didn't know she was at the station. Well, how did he just talk to? Well, he just talked to her because he called her house first. Oh no, I know. But and then he called her and act, yeah. well, I'm saying after he spoke with her and she hung up on him. Ah, gotcha. Call dispatches. Have someone up there and tell her to call me back. It's very important. Yeah, I get it. It's I'm just being ridiculous here. Uh, <laughs> I, I, so he gets in, the, he hops in the car, smashes over there. I like that he has an old Scooby Doo lunchbox with, with all his. I uh, love that. That's his toolbox, basically, which is great. He tries calling Michael real quick, which again I love that Murphy would have wanted him 
to do that. You know, she isn't mm -hmm. the only, she does have some, you know, agency and ability to protect herself. Obviously not in this doesn't work out in this scenario, but again, I just feel like that is a, another nod to his acceptance of her as a human. Like if, two novels ago, he doesn't worry about anything else except there's a lady in, in trouble, you know? Um, so I just thought that was another cool nod as well as to yeah. his relationship with Michael. Definitely. So he blasts over there. Uh, there's a couple, you know, they play the him being a double and already going through there for comedy in a couple spots, which I love. Mm -hmm. The oh, which way did I go? <laughs> it's just I just good. think that's delightful. Yeah, you know, it's it's really really fun stuff. Uh, you see, Rudy's like what the hell, like he's in the Matrix. He sees <laughs> him run by twice, which is great. He's like, "Where's Murphy?" And Soling says, "In her office with you." Like, oh fuck. We go in there. And the nightmare has their hands in Murphy's skull. Mm -hmm. And the visual reference for me is Lori doing that to Tara in season five of Buffy. Mm -hmm. Like that's very, the exact same thing, literally putting her hands into their brain uh -huh. um, and doing whatever it is that they do. And just gross and awful. Uh, he stares at, at it for a second in sheer horror and says, get the hell off of her. <laughs> Again, not, no pithy remark, just like, get the fuck off of my friend. I, I, yeah. I love when he makes the funny jokes, but I also love sometimes it's just like, like normal terror, real life kind of situation, which is great. Mm -hmm. they, they, they go back and forth, whatever. He throws Ventus Servitus at him, which I think is amusing, just using his own power against him. Just as Bob said, you are what you eat, and he's throwing his magic back at him. Mm -hmm. uh, and the nightmare even says to him i have partaken of thee yeah. i am what thou art right before he ventas servitas them and that's i mean that's a big deal you know and but even the one thing i i mean this could just be me projecting but at one point harry says a little gibbering shriek of terror started somewhere down in my quivering belly but i refused to give it voice remember where the nightmare attacked him was oh, in his interesting belly. i like that yeah and like at that chakra there. So I, he, I mean, on multiple occasions throughout this interaction with the, the, the nightmare beastie, he talks about his stomach is, is tight. His stomach is quivering, quivering his, the feeling in his belly. So I don't know if this is, I mean, he, I don't know if that's in it, it specifically intentional or just, you know, where, you know, when you're sick to your stomach, when something bad is happening, but I did notice that on a couple of occasions with this, uh, Oh yeah. Whether that's body. an whether that's an English class thing where we're diving yeah. too deep or it's actually meant to be, I like it in either case. It's yeah. a really interesting connection. It's, I love it. It's interesting. We like it. They get blasted, both cops and Dresden, and the nightmare just rolls away. Um, in a very bad guy horror movie kind of scenario. And mm -hmm. He goes over to Murph and there's good news and bad news. The good news is she he feels her around her neck and he doesn't feel the cold of the barbed wire spell. Mm -hmm. Maybe there wasn't time. Probably seems like what happened there. But um, she is completely out of it. He tries to do a soul gaze. He peers into her eyes and it's nothing happens. Which so is good. I, in regards to this, I have a question. Why didn't he open his sight? He can't do a soul gaze and he doesn't feel anything. Why doesn't he open his sight? Because he didn't realize what was wrong with, with Mickey. So I don't understand why he didn't open his sight here. Yeah, it, I, I think he's aware of what's happening. He, I mean, he even answers when the cops ask him. I 
the just the language of the lights were on, but nobody, no one home. Mm -hmm. um, he he knows what happened, right? She's seeing things that are you know terrifying her, and that's why he d puts the sleep spell on her. Mm -hmm. I agree, though, that would be a good spot. The way he talks, the way he talks about it, it's not something you use willy nilly, and that's probably just a narrative choice more than anything. Yeah. Okay. But even within you know the in story answer would be it takes some buildup and some effort and it is difficult and it's not something you can just turn on and off like a switch okay. would probably be how I would answer that from an in universe. But I think realistically, it's just one of those things that it's not interesting to use the same tool all the time. It also might make him a little OP if he just has a better understanding of the world than one of the big limitations he has that make these scenes interesting and um, a good competition for his skill level is he doesn't always see all the things you would see in this site. I mean, I, but. And the other side of it is actually, it does make sense because uh, a few moments later when he's trying to put Karen into the protective spell and the circle, he is having trouble doing that. He yeah, says, oh yeah, he, he, a lot of his magic just times. got eaten. You're right. And he's talking about how he, uh, he's struggling to, it, it says it, it took me more effort than it usually did, leaving me dizzy for a second. So that might be what it is. Yeah, no, that's a good catch as well. I like it. And then he uses his rage, which we have learned in the past that rage is always powerful. And it, but it certainly can rage have side effects as well, right? Yes. Leading into that darkness. Rage and fear, it seems like, are the two most powerful emotions that we've come across. Yes. He, he puts her into an enchanted sleep for the last he says for a couple days which is interesting because we haven't seen spells go that long because we know that sunrise is cleansing and powerful um there's like that pop of power that kind of resets almost all magic so the fact that he's casting a spell that will last longer than till just sunrise is really significant and certainly is going to take a lot more power and energy than any other spell we've seen him cast mm -hmm. throughout the, the novel, I think. Um, but there's just one line here that I, I really like, and I we'll talk about it as we get through the series for sure. But it, it kind of res it resonates with me. Kind of, it's similar to the Carmichael, where Rudolph says, "You'd better not be a fake, Dresden," and kind of mm -hmm. puts his faith in him not being a fake here. The I'm not really sure what's going on here. But so help me God, if something happens to the lieutenant because of you. Mm -hmm. I mean it, Dresden. If you let Murphy get hurt, I'll kill you. And the, the response is great as well. Yes. Uh, the kid, if anything happens to Murphy because of me, I think I'll let you. Mm -hmm. so, I love that. Oh, it's just so good. I, I, and it re really gives Rudy a moment of like power and strength in, you know, in, in the novel as well that we haven't really seen before this. And it um, also gives him, he's no, he's not just the, it, it, so far in this novel, Rudy has very much just been the skeptic. He doesn't have much depth. He's very two dimensional but this gives him a little bit more humanity. Absolutely. And even really in, in Full Moon, he was kind of 
the bumbling rookie. He's been like the comic relief kind of bumbling guys. Yeah, no, I, I, that's absolutely. This is the first we see of him mm -hmm. having, again, kind of his own agency and his own path in, in the story. Uh, it's just, it, it's similar. I just like how it also kind of connected to that, that, you know, that Carmichael line yes. and how it always is about, you know, Murphy, we learn about Murphy without Murphy with Murphy literally being asleep right there. You know what she can do to people, you know, who work with and for her, which I, I really like. Mm -hmm. um, but I just want to mention from a plot standpoint, sprinkled in these conversations, he tells Stallings that he, he needs the summoning book from Kravos, which is in evidence locked up somewhere. And he really needs to get that, which obviously is a crime. Um, We've seen how good Harry deals, how well Harry deals with evidence and crime scenes <laughs> before this, but um, it certainly he needs that book to try to help fight this demon here. But it mm -hmm. really felt less important than the other stuff, so I mentioned it like <laughs> so. But and, you know, and that's this was a good, important chapter. I feel like I feel like it was something that we needed to see. We needed to have this experience here for sure, mm -hmm. and everything that happened in that chapter. All right. And so chapter 20 starts with a description of Michael's house, Michael's neighborhood. And it, it, it really, I want to read this just because it may, it's very appropriate for Michael and for charity. I wouldn't have thought you could find a peaceful suburbanish neighborhood in the city of Chicago. Michael had managed not too far west of Wrigley Field. Ancient old trees lined either side of the street in stately splendor. The homes were mostly old Victorian affairs, restored after a fluctuating economy and a century of wear and tear had reduced them to trembling fire traps. Michael's house looked like it was made of gingerbread, fancy trim, elegant paint in ivory and burgundy, and perhaps inevitably a white picket fence around its house and its front yard. The porch light cast a circle of white radiance out onto the front yard, sorry, out onto the front lawn. The porch light cast a circle of white radiance out onto the front lawn, almost to the edge of the property. So this is, in my head, this is a description of Michael. Michael and Charity came into a neighborhood that was crumbling. They, are, they likely are part of the restoration. I can see them working on a house like this, restoring it, because I don't, I don't see them being able to afford a fancy Victorian that's been restored before. And oh, it's yeah. this the house, it looks like it's made of gingerbread. This is, this is cherry. I, I love that, yeah. But it's ivory and burgundy. It's not the pinks and greens and you know other colors that Victorians can be. So it's very much ivory and burgundy. And then the white picket fence, which is that, that symbol of hominess. But... I think the most important thing, because we, we deal with light and dark so much in this book, especially, but in the series, is the porch light casts a circle of white radiance onto the front lawn. It's sort of that, like, protecting light. Because it wasn't like it was white radiance. Almost to the edge of the property. So it's like the light is the protection. That was kind of, it's such a visual example of Michael, which is probably super cheesy. But that was when I read it, I was just like, oh my god, this is so Michael and Charity. This is it's, perfect for them. It's really easy to go over the, you know, you're talking about cheesiness. It's really mm -hmm. easy, I feel like, to go over the top. And you know, I'm the visual I'm thinking of, and this is really stupid and not at all applicable, but just made me think of this, is the beginning of 101 Dalmatians when the people look exactly like their dog, you know? Um, just that made me think of that. Like, you know, using a house to describe someone is 
and they do it with Morty, I guess, also earlier, you know? And yeah, so maybe they do. That, that is kind of a, a, a theme, but it works in both cases really well. And it's not over the top. You know, the, the, the white picket fence is something that he and Charity would have. They would. They would. They, they would have that, you know? Especially that, in a peaceful suburbanish neighborhood. Yeah, but I you know it. what? Harry's house also suits him. Oh, of course. And it is very applicable to him because the, his his laboratory is underground and hidden. While he is an openly practicing wizard, his powers aren't something he throws around and shows everybody. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, no, that's uh, great. So, you know, he's telling Michael, he's like, we gotta go. You know, the shit's going down. The ghost of the demon you killed two months ago is rampaging, rampaging around Chicago, getting into people's dreams and eating their minds from the inside. So we got to get going. <laughs> good mean, reason to get good reason to break out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he's um, going to put the baby down. And that's when uh, Harry finds a note from charity that she went um, back to get pe- out to get pizza and ice cream. Michael comes down. And sh- she's gone. Michael says, merciful father, what's happened to you? It's been a long night. Have I been here yet? <laughs> I love that. But also that's like, I'm not sure what you mean. Good that I have it. But he also says, Harry also says, um, when, after Michael says, then how do I know you aren't this nightmare trying to get me to invite you in? And Harry says, either way, it's better if I stay out here. Cherry would probably gouge my eyes out for showing up at this hour. That's when Michael knows, no, this is Harry. <laughs> this is Harry. Uh, and so, you know, he goes to put the baby down and, you know, uh, they're getting ready to go. Michael picks up his jacket and his sword and what are you waiting for, Harry? Let's go. But your kids, Michael rolled his eyes, took a step to the door and jerked it open without looking away from me. Father Fordhill stood on the other side, his thinning hair, wind blown, his bright blue eyes surprised behind his wire rimmed spectacles. Oh, Michael, I didn't mean to stop by so light. But my car stalled only a block from here on the way back from taking Mrs. Hamish home, and I thought I might borrow. He paused, looking from me to Michael, and then back to me again. You need a babysitter again, don't you? I love this. This is the the Lord will provide moment. (laughs) And I love how Harry says, Harry says, handy fringe benefit. (laughs) <laughs> he scowled uh-huh. that's important too like god damn it, i don't have any of these cool things yeah i just a, another one of these great michael moments that yes. it suits so well and it's just so well done very very well done and i love it and michael has great faith michael has complete and utter faith in it no question asked so they I, arrive sorry go ahead I, i'm like such a jaded not anti-religious by any means. I like, you know, whatever. Do, do, do your thing. But, um, one of my favorite philosophers of all time is Jesus of Nazareth. Um, but I'm generally a jaded, like moments like these are usually, usually just made me like, Oh, just come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. But everything about Michael in this novel is just so good and wholesome and wonderful. And I'm just so glad that it all works out for him. Like, I love, I love every bit of it. It's, I'm not the type of person who generally likes these kind of characters and it's, it's just, I love Michael. He's a great character, though. He really is. And the way, the way he is written is just delightful as well. So mm-hmm. they, uh, they, get, they head to the grocery store, the only grocery store that would be open at that hour, and they see her van. 
They go inside and Michael starts hollering for charity. And Harry, good old Harry, uh, hi. I said, did you see me come in here a minute ago? Or a pregnant woman, Michael said, about this high. This is hilarious. Like, they, they can't really give a description. It's just, did I come in here? Oh, she's about this tall. <laughs> it's just entertaining to me. And uh, Harry has to bribe the store clerk because she won't say anything. Um, he only has $15, and she is not impressed. But she takes it <laughs> and says, you know, she went down to the freezer section, and then she went outside and uh, she paid for her st- for some stuff and went to that van out there. It wouldn't start. I saw you or the guy that looks like you come up to her and start talking to her. She looked pretty pissed at him, but she walked off with him. I didn't think anything of it. Walked off which way? Look, mister, she just looked like she was getting a ride somewhere. She wasn't fighting or nothing. Which way? I thundered. The cashier blinked and her jaded exterior wobbled for a moment. She pointed down the street toward Graceland. So they had... He starts to. Oh, sorry. Knows, sorry. I thought, no, no, you're good. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, so she mentions in there, what is this, your brother or something running around with your woman? Am yeah. I going to see this on Larry Fowler tomorrow? We learn later that Larry Fowler is the Jerry Springer. That's what I thought. Yeah. Just a great way to introduce it and not talk about it beyond that. Mm-hmm. I bring that up because it comes up later. And I just thought it was a really funny reference that. They, he was peppering these things in way back. Um, he doesn't become like a major player or anything like that. It's just, it comes up a couple of times and it's mm-hmm. a funny, funny background, but just a funny in-universe joke gag thing that comes up. And I just love that. They squeeze that in there. Like, but is he, like you know, your brother or something cheating on you? Come on. It's just a funny, uh, you see this on Larry. So go ahead. That's pretty great though. I do like that. Uh, okay. So he's trying to get Michael to come and Michael's not. And so he's like, okay, well, I, I got to go get her. I got to. He opens up the hood of her car and everything's been torn to shit. Like this was obviously intentional, which isn't a surprise. And so he's in the rain and in the far distance, just barely, I saw two figures, one ungainly with long hair. The other stood tall over her, slender, walking toward the cemetery, holding her firmly by the hair. This is a, oh God. So shout for Michael again. But he couldn't see him anywhere. Hell's bells. All I had was a headache, an hourglass quickly running out of sand, and a case of the shakes. He says, I sprinted for the darkness into which I had seen the nightmare disappear with charity. Which, it just, it's so, it's like the slamming of a door. It's just so, oh God. Yeah, it's not as- His charity also works in his favor in this, the- Oh yeah. Position. It's, it's not as poetic or flowery or funny as a lot of the end lines, No, but it is like terrifying. And like you said, like a door slamming. Uh, I love it. It, It's, it's not, I love it in a different way that I love the other Mm -hmm. ones. Yeah. It is really Well, because you know, it is, he's going into the biggest cemetery on a dark rainy night when the border between here and the spirit world was leaking like a sieve. And he's sprinting into that. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, oh, no, thank you. No, thank you. Duck, a duck. But yeah, that was, I mean, it's damn good. Oh, yeah. This next chapter is interesting. It is definitely one of the longest chapters mm-hmm. we've had yet. And it's crazily action packed. I think that's why there isn't really a ton of great spots for there to be a chapter break. And it doesn't really matter. The chapter breaks in this are usually just 
ooh, that's a good line for this and let's move on, right? And not yeah. in a bad way. Um, it's just, it's jarring how long it is compared to most of the other ones. I, I just don't know. It's a very consequential chapter. It's just interesting to me. Mm -hmm. But as in classic Dresden form, this intro is great. I've done some harder things in my life. Once, for example, I threw myself out of a moving car in order to take on a truckload of lycanthropes single-handedly. That had been nominally smarter. You, you mentioned what he's running into. And he's like, yeah, remember that one time I jumped out of a moving car to try to take mm -hmm. on these powerful assholes on a full moon? That was a much better idea than this. <laughs> so he's chasing the nightmare into the cemetery. I love the description of walls because it's lore without saying it's lore. It's more talk. It talks about it like it's in our world as well, right? The mm -hmm. I paused outside the graveyard. A dull, restless energy pressed against me, like when weariness and caffeine mix around 3.30 in the morning. It rolled against my skin, and I heard, Julie heard whispering voices through the rain. Dozens, hundreds of whispers, ghostly, ghostly susurrance. I put my hand on the wall and felt the tension there. There are always fences around cemeteries. Always, whether stone or brick or chain link. It's one of those unwritten things that people don't really notice. They just do it by reflex. Any kind of wall is a barrier in more than merely a physical sense. Lots of things are more than what they seem in a purely physical sense. Walls keep things out. Walls around cemeteries keep things in. I love that. Uh, I usually don't do the, the, the big paragraphs, but that is just, uh, I just love that description. And also that the lore we learn about what the walls are doing and just, uh, I, I liked it. I don't know how you feel about it. No, I think it's fantastic. It's, um, well, you know, there's an old joke. Why are there, why are there fences around cemeteries? Because people are dying to get in. But <laughs> I love a good pun. <laughs> I good. love good dad jokes. Um, but it's, uh, I did actually look up fences and cemeteries and it's, it's, there's a couple things that there is, it's to divide, define the area as a place, as a place for the dead. But mm -hmm. in the past, some people, so in the past there were, there was consecrated ground and unconsecrated ground. And if you were like excommunicated from the church, if you committed suicide, things like that, you were buried outside of the cemetery in, where the ground was not consecrated. So it actually literally defines the, the space in that way. But I was also thinking that in this world, it sort of has a threshold kind of vibe to it. Yeah, he feels that that tingling like sense yeah. of power around it is interesting. So, and you know, and it also maybe it'll keep the, maybe it keeps the zombies in. <laughs> it, it, the walls do keep things in. Mm -hmm. oh, it's great. Uh, but, but I, that was the, because I, I did, I was, I was very curious about, about that because it's like, it makes sense, but it's just to delineate between the area for the dead. But then I was thinking about various religious practices and Catholic cemeteries, religious cemeteries and things like that. People being, not being allowed to be buried in consecrated ground, women who had babies out of wedlock, uh, babies who died before they were baptized, uh, people who committed suicide, things like that. Hmm. Which is just. Yeah. Why, no, I, why does Alyssa know? I knew that before I even looked it up. Why does Alyssa know that? <laughs> Who the fuck knows? 
Because why uh, wouldn't you know weird <laughs> facts about cemeteries? Cemeteries. I do love cemeteries, though. I've seen some cool ones on my trips around different places. <laughs> he gets in there and he feels the energy of sounds like hundreds of spirits. He says dozens would be pleasant, mm -hmm. more pleasant. So that sounds awful for a wizard yes. and someone who feels that power. So he's already, yeah, as he walks in there. He, I like that he thinks, I should stop and wait for Michael. That would be the smart thing to do. And then he hears Charity scream. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't call it his chivalrous, you know, thing. I don't think it, it matters in this case, but that definitely, so you know, at de all. De definitely, this is the part of them. I mean that in what he thinks the chivalry is, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm going to do this because I have to for this woman in, in danger right here. I, I do. I think that's what Harry thinks that personality trait is, is this moment. Whereas mm -hmm. he really would do this for anyone, I think, but yeah, definitely, I don't think it's because she's a woman. No, it's not. But I, like I, I think this is, I don't know. I don't know if that sentence makes any sense, but I'm, so I'm going to repeat the same thing a third time, which is very dumb. But I think this is what he thinks that character trait is. And um, it's not usually, but it, he obviously wants to wait for Michael. He's got the big magic sword, but Charity screams and he's, he's getting the fuck in here and he's going to risk it all. Yeah. So he heads in there and he, there's a lot of him you know, yelling for her. He activates his pentacle and, and stuff. The, and light through his pentacle, which is just a, another cool little trinket he has his mm -hmm. flashlight with him all the time. But he, he eventually finds her and you know, the, obviously the nightmare is there and like the wizard demon. Is that what I am? Interesting. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I love that. Goodbye wizard. Fuego. Uh, I just love anytime they use fuego. It's just, mm -hmm. I'm a child little thing. I, I, I like things that are fun. And, uh, he gets his shield up to block it. And it's interesting. We get the rain, fire, you know, meeting at his shield. And so there's like a steam and hissing cloud of steam, which is great. Just a cool visual and would be fun to watch. Um, <laughs> but I also like, I would never have been stupid enough to try for a gout of flame in a downpour like this. It was too easily defeated. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't he used his shield to block it like he would anything else. It's just yeah. interesting. The and I, I I saw that line. I just thought it was interesting. Like, it, how, there's rain, but like it's a big old gout of fire. It's it's gonna mm -hmm. get there. Um, but yeah, also the running water and the power of water we've talked about before mm -hmm. would certainly make things a little bit more difficult as well. So, it, it, but it shows that this nightmare is kind of a more of an amateur. Yes, you know that that line right there, which is definitely worth knowing and certainly will help us Harry have more you know confidence that he's the guy who knows more and we've seen so many times that power is really good but knowing what to do you know again they're the magi the wise mm -hmm. that, that's the magus that's those are what mages and wizards are they're, they're they know more things and that's one of their biggest strengths beyond any phys, you know power they can use to manipulate stuff so we've seen charity have cool strength in her own you know personal strength and her faith and her family and her love and all that. This is actual badass physical strength charity. She tries to fight this guy. She kicks him. She, you know, she tries to get out of there, um, which is a great distraction and gives Harry an opportunity to get in there. Mm -hmm. uh, he's outclassed. He doesn't have his own natural power that he has. And the difference is made even greater, but 
the nightmare took that power and added it to his own so harry just isn't really powerful enough to win this battle right now especially without you know just doing it on the fly and without all all the accoutrement and planning and backup he gets blasted um and you know gets thrown into a what do you call those mausoleum mausoleum he he gets thrown into a mausoleum blasts his head and starts to bleed the nightmare grabs him and whips him around over his head the you know thinking hulk and loki at the end of the first avengers like just like this really powerful being like how dare you and they just you know just getting tossed around like a child's toy Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's a flash of light and he says there's a sharp pain unconsciousness would have been a mercy the cold rain kept him awake long enough (laughs) so charity gets a little bit of distance between them but obviously we're still in a bad spot right here mm-hmm. and obviously things couldn't get worse than this right mm-hmm. hey we hear his godmother coming in and she's standing there she's already healed up from the ghost dust and the iron and not ideal to see her much ever ever but not a good idea to see her ever no, <laughs> um, no. she her, i like that her hair is just completely unaffected by the rain it soaked her dress though so you know we get to see yeah. her titties so we it, got a nice creepy yikesy <laughs> moment but in that, re- in regards to that yikesy moment, for her, it is intentional, I feel. Oh, absolutely. And again, when we're dealing with supernatural beauty, it's different than you know, a, a random woman who's not trying to do this, right? You're, you're mm-hmm. allowed to present yourself as however you want. And she wants to present herself as a sexual being to you know, get people. She wants, she wants him looking at her titties here. That's, get it, girl. Um, <laughs> still, though, Harry, focus, focus, buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they have a been you know he tells her she doesn't have any power here but she, they, they they still have a conversation back and forth and she mentions that she only has the power that she's been given what she's fairly traded for mm-hmm. which we know that she made a deal with a minor. So he certainly, she has some form of power here is what she's yeah. you know, saying there. And the exchange reason you're going to kill me then like kill you. I never intended to kill you. <laughs> uh, she wants him. She doesn't want him dead. Tamed, she says, which I like, um, charity yells again though. And it kind of breaks up this conversation. She tries to get him to make another deal. She wants, mm to help him in exchange for him following up with the terms of their initial deal. You come back with me and I'll take care of it. I'll take, I get to take you and you get to save charity. And that is a compelling offer for Harry. And he doesn't want to do it, but he, again, charity screams. He sees, you know, Michael's children growing up without a mother. And so he says, Mm -hmm. I accept your bargain. And he feels the bargain. There's a kind of a pop of power when he says that. And she kisses his forehead and says, the answer's all around you. <laughs> Classic fairy bullshit. She doesn't mm-hmm. actually give it to him straight. I but know. After she kisses him, he feels better. He's thinking more clearly. He can see stuff. And we'll learn what happens there in a minute. But she clearly 
helped him out with his head wound and then gave him a hint and allowed him to solve it okay. here. But uh, I, again, he's not in the, his best full form. So his, hey, you, ugly. <laughs> it's just a good, uh, he's in some trouble here. He, he can't come up with a good one all the time. Um, <laughs> but they, again, they, Michael finally catches up, which is great. Mm-hmm. And now with Amarakius and Harry, it's no longer not a fair fight, but it's now no longer a fair fight in the other way. And so they're able to get in there and separate the two and get Charity away. He gives, uh, Michael gives Harry a, a crucifix to put in Charity's hand. And again, you feel her, the power of her faith. The symbol flickers. It actually creates light. And we see the nightmare basically knows he's got to get out of town and there's running water. That was the answer. Obviously the answer is all around you. So they, they mm-hmm. use the running water to get away from the nightmare. They use their faith magic to protect themselves. And they, they finally, you know, get a, a, enough separation that they know they're going to be okay. And it is such a frantic, I, I'm really rushing through this just cause I don't want to, I could be sitting on this chapter for the whole podcast, but <laughs> it, there's a lot of good, ba- you know, Hey, the, you know, the, making fun of the old timey speech is just, you know, again, Harry's starting to, once his head starts clearing, he can go back to quipping and joking and jiving. But, um, the, you see the power of charity here, which I really mm-hmm. like. Yeah. You know, it's a character that we knew had some power in different ways. And we see it here and her bravery is really cool to see, especially in this moment. You know, she's pregnant. She obviously isn't, isn't moving a hundred percent. And Leah did technically give him the answer. And mm-hmm. so he has to come with her and they argue back and forth, but it's not the spirit of the agreement. It's the letter is I told you the answer. You come with me. That's mm-hmm. the deal. And he tries at this point, Michael is physically carrying his wife. So Harry has the giant sword on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And this is not great for no. Harry. Our our hero makes a mistake, which happens. Mistakes are okay. You learn from them. But in trying to break faith with Leah, small f in this case, but still important, mm-hmm. he uses Amarakius. And Amarakius was not made for that. Nope. The blade decides it is no longer interested in being in Harry's possession, and it falls out of his hands, and the hellhounds get between Harry and the sword, and Leah picks it up. And that is certainly a problem. Yeah. She disappears. Michael is crying. Harry feels miserable. Mm-hmm. Charity is struggling and moaning. It is just everyone is in an awful spot right here. And the world is not in a great place because there's only three of those swords. And now one of them is in the possession of what certainly seems to be a bad guy. And so it, Harry, oh my God, what have you done? And the fact that it says, oh my God, what have you done mm-hmm. is even more powerful. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Well, and I'd given my word and broken promises add up to trouble. It very much is he's, this isn't his first broken promise to her. Yeah, clearly, at least the one big one that she was mentioning when they're dealing with Agatha. And there has to be a consequence to this. Certainly she's growing. She has, you know, some power over him, some ability to find him and follow him around. Mm -hmm. And 
we don't know. You obviously, certainly not a great idea to make deals with fairies in the first place, but it's probably mm -hmm. a worse idea to break those deals. Yeah. And there's going to be consequences. And, you know, he's already, Harry, we have plenty of problems without adding to those problems. <laughs> I agree. Um, there are a couple things that I, you know, I, I, like you said, the faith magic, we've got faith magic, magic with the pentacle, but also with the, the charities cross. But I also, at the beginning, while he's walking into the cemetery, he says, I turned, I want to talk about that faith thing real quick. Uh -huh. We, so we know Michael is special in some way. He's chosen to be the wielder of Amarakius. He's mm -hmm. a knight. So Charity we've seen, special too. We We've seen an ability to use faith magic. You know, we get the tingle, we get the power from his faith, which would make sense mm -hmm. because he clearly, even if he's just a normal human, he has something about him that is chosen, you know? Yes. For charity to be able to get power from her faith to, at that level that we can see it and it like materializes in, that seems really relevant to me. Well, also that Michael knew she could. Michael said, give this to her. But you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that, that he knows, mm -hmm. he knows she has the power of faith. Absolutely. So the other thing that I really appreciated, and it's a deep cut, uh, when he's walking in, he said, I, I turned toward it. Like uh, he, when he hears charity and that he's decided to go into the cemetery, he says, I turned toward it and began moving forward at a cautious lope, glowing pentacle held aloft by Di like Diogenes lamp. Thunder rumbled again. Do you know who Diogenes is? Uh, yes, yeah, sounds familiar. He's a Greek philosopher, but he's called the cynic. He's the founder of cynicism. He used to hold a lamp to the faces of the people of of Athens, saying he was looking for truth and not finding any. Which I love. What that a this dick. Is, <laughs> right? But he was one of those. He Get your lamp and your mouth out of my face. <laughs> but I love that he's he's known. He's the founder of cynicism. Mm -hmm. which is an interesting choice of examples, but he's holding the light up to find the truth also. Okay. He's holding great. his faith magic up to find the truth, which I really liked. No, that's great. And I also love how Leah refers to charity as the white knight's lady, because it feels like that gives her a little bit more. She's got more power. She's not just, and he, she calls her the white knights, the, the white knights lady, a couple of times. Yeah, I feel like it, it. Just to me, it felt a little bit more significant. Than well, just, but you know. any, Leah, Leah, generally, if she says it, a, it's true because they can't lie. But b, it is it. I, I don't mm -hmm. love the idea of her being just that, especially in a scene where we see how badass she is on her own. But it's fair. Well, no, but I feel like it gives her power. Like there's, like she's got. She has some level of significance that we've we've not yet experienced. Okay, and maybe she fe can feed off of his power as well because they're, or that know, the reason they're, they're both so powerful is because they're the two, they're the Lord and Lady. Maybe. Of, of what? Of the the White God. They're Lord because he's the White Knight. She's the White Lady. The White Knight's Lady. So okay, I just. Oh, I just kind of, I, I just feel like there's some sort of significance to well, that. Well, again, they, uh, they've they been hammering honorifics and titles and, and names yes. matter so much that I and like, I, and I, it's I, capital I, L lady. So it is an honorific. It's I not like just, that, yeah, it's not just, uh, it's his bitch, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's capital L lady, which I liked. 
And again, the use of the capital capital letters is very important. Just like Godmother's capitalized, Nightmare capitalized. I just, I really liked that. Um, where it was Lady, capital L, Lady. Yeah, no. I, the things you don't catch when you just re- well, are I, listening, which... Yes. That's why right. when I, I'll listen and then I'll look through the um, the Kindle ebook and it's just because sometimes like oh my god i didn't even notice that so it's an interesting kind of uh journey (laughs) awesome all right so chapter 22 we are at the hospital uh harry is brought back charity is sent off to l and d michael uh with michael at her side harry's being brought back first because he appears to have a head injury and uh the this is it wouldn't be a doctor it'd be a nurse who would be triaging him, just saying, um, especially at Cook County Hospital. Come on. This is a big city hospital. Uh, he, they, Dr. Simmons. Asked, I just thought of it as like when house gets in trouble and has to do extra hours in the, in the clinic, you know, I just think of it like that. She's, she's, well, but this is an ER. She just and, has to be, go do extra hours somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> just, but this She's is, in this trouble. Is, this is the ER at Cook County Hospital. They've got gunshot wounds to handle. And but he says, like a supervillain just threw me into a wall. <laughs> Which I love that. Such a good answer. She asks, There's some blood here. Are you sure it's yours? And he's like, Mine, who else would it be? And she says, You tell me, Mr. Dresden, Harry Dresden, the wizard. So she knows him. I don't understand why she knows him, which is odd. But then we find out that his cut is healed and healed to the point where it looks like it's been a few months. Or a few weeks, which is interesting. But then she shines a light into his eyes. And this is another we learn a little bit more about soul gaze. His mechanic, she's peered at each eye mechanically, professionally, without the intimacy that triggers a soul gaze. So just because you're looking in his eyes doesn't mean there's a soul gaze. Interesting. We learn a little bit about that, uh, at least in this setting. And she's like, if you've got a concussion, I'm Winona Ryder. Get off that bed and get out of here. So Harry doesn't have a concussion. Whatever Leah did healed him. I, I also. I don't like this doctor. I don't <laughs> like, but, I mean, concussions are very difficult to diagnose and also very concussion specific. I guess this is before we, you know, learned as much about CTE and all sorts of things, but like, I, I, I've talked about this on even, maybe even on the pod before where when athletics in particular, but are now so heavy on concussion protocol and everything where yeah. to the extent where, you know, any head injury, you just completely stop most sports, most games just stop when there's a head injury. Yeah, um, as, it and should. as they should, but this is tough. You know, this is, again, this is 20 years ago when it wasn't the case. When I played, that was not the case. You just, oh, yeah. you, you got your bell rung, get a sip of water and get back in there, kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and that was like, I was in the fifties or anything. You know, this is 2000, 2006. I graduated from college. 2005 was my last year of playing polo. Um, the fact, but the fact that she just brushes him off is just, yeah, I don't. I don't like it. So yeah, no. I get. I don't think it's bad. It's like mischaracterization or d- bad it's storytelling. Weird. It's more just she's a jerk, and I don't. Li- I don't. I don't like this person. I, turn the page. I don't want to see her anymore. Okay. <laughs> so he t- touches his head, and he feels it's it's tender, but the wound was closed and healed. He said, "Magic, my godmother's magic. Working magic directly on a human body is difficult. It's very." Difficult. The healing cut was a message for me. My godmother had power over me on Earth now, too, as well as in the Never Never. 
So he's been outclassed by his godmother magically. And he said, our world was as foreign place to her, just as hers was to me. I'd had the home field advantage. Had being the operative word. Had. Hell's bells. Then we have a little interesting uh, interaction between him and Stallings in the men's room. Harry goes in and he's washed his blood off his face and he tries to turn on the dryer and he hits it a dozen times before it starts. (laughs) And then Stallings comes in and he moved over to the dryer next to mine. His started on the first slap of the button. It's a great juxtaposition of, of the two of them. But it also says, you know, we, we thought Harry was losing his power. Harry still has enough power to fuck up electronic devices. So the power's still there. You're like, that's, that would be the last thing to fade for Harry. <laughs> just because right. just just it's the worst, the worst part of it all. Yeah. So uh, Rudolph and, and uh, Stallings had brought Murphy in. And Stallings gave him the journal. And he gives him a warning, Dresden. If you touch this, if you open it up, you're going to be leaving your prints on it. Skin cells, all sorts of things. Unless it disappears. I frowned at him. What's the big deal? Gravis is all but put away, right? Hell, we caught him with the murder weapon with the body at the scene. There isn't anything in the journal to beat that, is there? If it was just his trial, it wouldn't be a problem. What do you mean? Inside shit. I can't talk about it. But if you take this book, Dresden, it's got to vanish. Fine, I said, reaching for it. It's gone. And the Stallings lets it slip that Internal Affairs is looking at SI again. And he won't tell Harry what's set him off. And he said, John, what, do, what aren't you telling me? They're interested in the Kravos case, that's all I can say. You should hear word in the next day or so. You'll know it when you hear it. And he, you know, he talks about the cops are a tight special kind of brotherhood. They'd work with you, but if you weren't a cop, you were on the outside in a billion subtle ways. One of which was that they didn't let you in on the department's secrets. In this part, I don't think this is a cop not letting him in on secrets. I think that there's something big going on. Um, but, you know, he goes up and tries to find... He, he needs Michael. Remember, so he remember that uh, Susan also asked about this case. Yes, so just cle- recently. Yeah, so clearly something is... Something is in the wind. So- Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Exactly. Exactly. So he goes up to find Michael, and Michael's standing in the but in front of the nursery window. This is another very dated, where hospitals don't have nurseries anymore. Oh, really? Like this. No, because they, they, the babies stay with the moms. That's fair. That makes sense. Um, Do you hear that? Ho- there's a hospital somewhere in Idaho that doesn't have any uh, maternity, or they're not doing any uh, OB stuff anymore at all. <laughs> uh huh. I saw that. Oh, what a time. Uh-huh. And it's Idaho. You know there's not a very near hospital. Uh, okay, anyway. so we've got not near, There's not a lot of near anything. Exactly. I think that's why people moved to Idaho. <laughs> in, the, in Idaho's defense. Uh, so he's, Michael is standing there, and the nurse in the nursery recognizes them, and she does a double take staring at them before hurrying out of the room. And Harry says he didn't realize he was back at Cook County, didn't recognize the place without something being on fire. So he does, he says, so he said he was, he asked for directions to maternity. How how would he not know they're at Cook County now? Because he starts at the very beginning. He says, every hospital looks exactly alike. 
always. Oh, I like that. And all hospital emergency yeah. rooms. He says emergency rooms, but they're all oh, decorated yeah. in the same dull muted tones and softened edges, they, which are meant to be comforting and aren't. They all have the same smell too. But yeah. Oh, that's great. Good catch. I was that line didn't like. Well, I didn't think it was like a plot hole or anything like that. I was like, yeah. Because even when you start from different places in the hospital, it is hard to find. You know, oh, places yeah. even ones that you know. You know, but it it did seem weird Odd. that like you just went there but he didn't realize that because all hospitals oh that was great good catch list Damn. yeah and it's true though like so i have to go to hospitals to pick up blood and go to emergency rooms and stuff like that for work and some hospitals it's like okay so all of the hallways look the same how do i get to the lab or how do i get to this unit you know nurses are like oh you've been here before haven't you no or yes but i have no idea where i'm at there's one hospital in san bernardino county where when you're any floor you're on you don't, all the hallways are, are beige. The floor is the same color. All the hallways are beige. And you're just like, I have no freaking clue where I'm at. <laughs> I'm glad so that I they made like a hospital. Like they, they, they finally found a way to make a hospital an unpleasant place to be. <laughs> More unpleasant. So we learned that Charity had a complicated labor. Uh, her water did break at the graveyard they ended up having to do a c-section she got hit in the stomach at one point they no, don't know if she'll be able to have children again and the doctor says if the baby lasts 36 hours he might have a chance he's weakening they're doing everything they can there were complications complications and michael starts to cry understandably mm. and he also says the doctor thinks i beat her that's how she got the bruises he never said anything, but uh, Harry says, that's ridiculous. I said it once. Stars and stones, Harry. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It might as well have been me, Harry. If I hadn't got myself involved in this demon, wouldn't have gone after her. It should have come after me. You're right, I said. Holy hell, Michael, you're right. He shot me a look. What are you talking about? I rubbed my hands together, trying to sort through the ideas flashing across my brain in neon lights. It's a demon. This thing we're after, right? It's a demon's ghost. An orderly walking by, pushing a tray, gave me an odd look. I smiled at him, feeling rather manic. He hurried along. <laughs> Demons are tough, Michael. They're dangerous and they're scary. But they're really kind of clueless in a lot of ways. How so? They just don't get it about people. They understand things like lust and greed and the desire for power. But they just don't get things like sacrifice and love. It's alien to most of them. Remember what I said about how I knew the worst way to get to you would be through your family? I know that because I'm human. I know what it's like to care about someone else other than myself. Demons don't. Even knowing that I thought the best way to get to you would be through someone close to you, I don't think a demon would have understood the context of that information. So what you're saying is that the demon would have had no reason to go after my wife and child. It's all inconsistent. So... There's something else going on here that, you know, Harry's trying to figure out. And Michael says the nightmare is a cat's paw. Someone else is using it to hit at us. Someone who can cast those barbed wire torment spells. And we've been chasing around after the tool instead of going after the hand that's wielding it. And they talk about how they have plenty of enemies between the two of them. And not knowing the identities of the attacker is something that really is going to bother them. And it, they're going to need to get more information. And Michael asks, could your godmother be behind this? I don't think so. She's a fairy. They aren't usually this methodical or organized. They aren't impatient either. This thing's been active every night. Like it couldn't wait to get going. 
So we're getting a little bit more about this this beastie, this nightmare. We're learning more. They're figuring it out as we are kind of sitting here seeing what's going on. Yeah, I do love the, at its heart, it's a detective, a private eye story as well as. You know, and this it, is our detective moment. Yeah, and I do like when it leans heavy into those. And it doesn't dodge, you know, the other stuff while it's doing this or anything like that. It doesn't need to be separate, but it's yeah. just cool. And that's one of the things I really like is about the series. moment. Yeah, you know, they're breaking it down, looking through the evidence. Yeah. I know I mentioned that a lot last week, but it's just, this is one of those scenes that I really like that for sure. Oh, no, this it's fantastic here. It really is. I, I love it. And then we learn a little bit about his mother. And uh, Michael says she's malevolent. His godmother. His godmother, sorry. Leah, his godmother is, she's malevolent. She enjoys causing pain. And Harry says, yeah, I didn't exactly pick her. He thinks his mother did. I don't understand why she would do that to a child. And then Harry feels tears in his eyes and he says they're a child's pain. I don't know. I know that she was mixed. I know that she was mixed up with some people, bad people, bad beings, whatever. Maybe Leah was one of her allies. Leah, it's short for Linanchi, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know her real name. She takes blood from mortals and gives them inspiration in return. Artists and poets and things. So I... Lianchi is a is an Irish myth. Um, she seeks the love of mortals, but she's also she also helps artists and poets. Mm -hmm. She's their muse. She isn't a muse for free. She requires payment. So it's very that's this is a great use of that. Oh, it's a great she, cut. I also looked at that. The Ace mm -hmm. She is the name of the people she's from. The, <laughs> the people of the bog or borrow. Yeah, like the that. barrows. Fantastic. Yeah, no, it's great. But it's you know. I had to look up how to pronounce it too, because <laughs> I'm like, uh. but it's pretty easy. Linanchi. Yeah. And we learn why she got involved. I was a kid. Things fell out with my old teacher, Justin. He sent a demon to kill me and I went on the run. I made a bargain with Leah, enough power to defeat Justin in exchange for my services, my loyalty. And you broke faith with her, more or less. She's never pushed it before now. And I've been careful to stay out of her way. She doesn't usually get this involved with mortal business. She did take the sword, though. Yeah, I guess what that was my fault. If I hadn't tried to use it to ease it out of the deal, you couldn't have known. I should have. It isn't as though it's a tough one to figure out. Michael, we need to go. We got work to do. Harry, what are we going to do? Kill someone? If we have to? Hell spells, Michael. So they might have murdered your son. His face hardened, and I knew then that I had him. Way to go, Harry. Jerk those heart strings like a fucking puppeteer. Let's go. That's sort of slamming the door on that. And that chapter ends in a very, very dismal note. Yeah. <laughs> a couple in a row of, yikes, what are you doing here, Jimbo? Uh, so Harry's back in his lab. And there's, again, it's just interesting and notable where he's talking about how creepy it is to be working by candlelight, knowing that it's full daylight outside. Which in general, that's always how he works down there. But because of he's dealing with a nightmare that can only come out at night and he's already been attacked. He has this instinctive fear of the dark. That's part of being human. He says that's starting to kind of gain more power in him. And just, again, this is really affecting him in ways we haven't seen him in different ways. We've seen him be affected by all the cases, right? But this is just a new and exciting way for him to have problems. So what he's trying to do is he's going through, he's been, he's been going through, Travis's journal. A lot of it is just 
awful, terrible things you'd expect from a journal like that. But they do talk about Azorthragal. Azorthragal? You're like, I'm going to try to stop saying different ways because if I get it right, that's as much of a problem as if I don't. So exactly. uh, he finds the name, the true name of the demon with all the carefully emphasized syllables. He's going to summon the demon and learn as much as he can. I think the idea is to trap it and keep it here and find a way to destroy or stop it, basically. It gets power back and get mm -hmm. Murphy back and all this, all that jazz. It's a process. Getting, he has to light all the incense and get the candles. You don't always need all those things, but they help him focus. And right now, of course, because he's already been, had his mojo devoured a little bit, he's in some trouble. So he needs all the help he can get. So he has different items that connect to the Kravos affair, that connect to the demon, that connect to his, his, the people he cares about involved. Around the circle, he's got a, a pentagram. I, I guess it looks like a circle, but if you draw lines to the middle in your brain, of uh, candles around the circle. And he starts demanding, enemy mine, I seek you, enemy mine. And he ends up, again, you, when you use the name, especially three times, mm -hmm. it has a lot of power. And he's demanding that. He learned that, that with uh, the toad demon, right? Yeah, with the toad demon. Um, I'm trying to think of, it's hard to remember when you learn stuff, but it's one yeah. of those, three is very important. It's basically, mm -hmm. you get someone uh, uh, to say three times is it kind of like they feel a power that they have to apply if they're certain types of creatures. Yeah. Um, in this case, he's, Apare, you know, Apare, he's trying to make Azothrigal appear. Watering, sorry. Yeah. I command thee to Apare. And he hears a telephone ring upstairs and he's just trying to focus and get his shit done down here. Obviously magic is a lot about will and you need to be really focused to drive your will in the right place. Uh, and it's an interesting, I, I have a hard time again. This is one of those that makes sense and I like all of it. It's just, if you try not to think too hard about this scene where Michael's talking to Susan saying, oh, she has something really important, yelling down the trap door. <laughs> Harry's yelling back while trying to get the, you know, grab this demon and lock him down. It is for the top ridiculous one of those things that would work on a tv show like this where it'd be kind of some comedy going you know but if you think about it in real terms is a little bit much but i i love it just you know try not to think about it too much yeah and the like i can't deal with susan right now she says it's really important dude i'm busy she really needs to talk to you i'll call her back um and as he's trying to get the get the handle on this thing and they have a, you know, a shouting wizard, the sun is sinking. I will tear out your heart. I will tear your, slay your friends and their children. Um, he's like, it's thine heart. Not thy heart. I love that. <laughs> I'll tear out thy heart. The monster said, and he corrects his grammar, which is wonderful. I know you won't. <laughs> he throws some blood on it. He's like, bound, thou art bound. He says it. I make thee bound the third time. Thy quarrel is with me. Now let's see how you do in a fair fight, asshole. And I then <laughs> all of his power, which is wonderful, it collapses. He, there was someone behind the demon pulling. That was one, one of the things that made it extra difficult. And Michael wasn't helping him on this end. Um, and he tells Michael what, what happened, that it can't go for Murphy or his family or Michael. You know, all he can do is limit its targets. So at least we can be ready for it. And that's kind of where we're at. He says, I, I did it at the last second on the fly. I hadn't really planned it. 
but it worked. So, so long as I'm alive, it can't mess with anyone else. This leads to a great exchange where I was like, Michael says, so long as you're alive, Harry. Doesn't that mean it's certainly going to try to kill you? Yeah, of course. There's an exchange with Michael. One of the first times I don't really love Michael, and I always, always love him, but I don't really love this exchange, mm -hmm. especially from Michael, who's seen his soul, still works with him every day, and believes in Harry. But when Harry tells him what he did, how he made the monster bound to him, he says, oh, Harry, you shouldn't have done that. I scowled at him. It's better than anything else we've managed so far. Yeah. You'd have done the same thing if you could. Yes, Michael said, but my family is well provided for. He paused and then added in a gentle voice, and I'm sure of my soul's destination when it's time for me to go. I'll worry about hell later. Besides, I think I have a plan. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Oh, God. That's great. And also the, you aren't concerned about your soul, but you have a plan. <laughs> it's just like, mm -hmm. I don't plan to get us killed just yet. So again, Michael mentions that he's not sure what he can do without Amarakius, but Harry still believes in Michael, which I love. And he also, he doesn't have faith and he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't do religion and gods and stuff. But he says, and I don't think the Almighty is going to quit the team just because we fumbled the ball, right? So, and he's partially leaning on Michael's faith, but... Again, it just says that he believes in Michael and he believes in what Michael cares about. And if this is who you are, Michael, like that guy's not going to let you down because why would he let you down? Like, come on, dude, you're fucking Michael Carpenter, bro. Mm -hmm. I love all of their exchanges. I just the one where Michael like suggests that Harry's going to help. Michael wouldn't do that. Michael's not going to judge and suggest that he knows where Harry's soul is going. You know, I, I didn't love that, but um, mm -hmm. just for characterization wise, you know, not even from a proselytizing standpoint, which is also not gr a great thing to do to someone is tell them <laughs> you're going to hell. But just that doesn't feel like yeah. something Michael would do in particular to his buddy, who again, has seen his soul. But, um, so what's the plan, Harry? What are we going to do? I got up, went over to the mantle, uh, over the fire, but what I needed wasn't there. I frowned, looking around the room, and spied it on the coffee table. I bent down, plucked up the white envelope, and took the gold-lettered invitation Kyle and Kelly Hamilton had delivered. We're going to a party. Okay, question for you. Who are the Fallen? The Fallen would be... Uh, friends of the Morning Star. Um, fallen Angels. Okay. Or I don't, I don't, demons of a different level, I guess, because he already says demons. Um, but there's obviously a tiered system, and everything in the, under the sun is available in somewhere in the Never Never. So Raw is walking around doing sun stuff somewhere. Uh, but anything that people have given power to exists. So the Fallen certainly exist. And um, that's an interesting reference there, because... They may or may not come up later in the series. Who knows? Um, <laughs> everything always comes up. Everything always does. I do love that we get a little more on Leah here. That's really cool. I do have a couple of the, we learned a lot about the soul gaze here without seeing mm -hmm. a soul gaze, which is interesting. Uh, the two times that the soul gaze didn't happen were both significant for different reasons. Yeah. Um, the, the quote, the, the lights are on, but nobody's home mm -hmm. with Murphy really struck me. It, it, there's a quote with a totally different situation and literally nothing similar, but it 
reminding me of a different thing that happened, like different quote from later in the series that was really mm-hmm. um, interesting to me. And then we'll talk about that years down the road. But um, and I, I had completely forgotten about the one with the doctor just because it was so they weren't souls connecting there. It was just very businesslike. It was interesting that that didn't trigger one. Yeah, for sure. Just interesting, uh, the laws of the soul gaze. Yeah, just like anything else. It's always a little loosey-goosey, but fits the narrative. But I, I did like that a lot, that that was a way it kind of made it. You know, it's the window to the soul. So if, mm-hmm. if it's not that, then it, you know, if it's, it's not anything to do with the soul, it, it's just interesting. But, it is um, quite interesting. Yeah, what, um, a little bit more lore on fairies and fairy deals and stuff, but, um, sorry, the she um what uh what are your thoughts any good the other thing i just remembered um about leah so lananchi is is the oldest of the irish vampires is the other thing oh i read which was interesting um my other like primarily this was a big um like we talked about at the beginning it's very much a moving it's action yeah, all of the necessary action. There wasn't a lot to like ponder over, other than the Diogenes and the uh, Lananche stuff, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah, and we learned a little bit about the faith magic and stuff, which was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, with Charity having more power in more ways than we maybe knew or expected before this, mm-hmm. which was cool. Um, everything with Michael. Like I said, except for that one line, I didn't love love. I didn't hate yeah. it. I didn't love it. But besides that, it's just, he's great. <laughs> when Michael's in a lot of this, a lot of it, uh-huh. um, you know, the, I mean, not, we analyze as we go. So I'm going to call this analysis, but it really is more thoughts and questions and cool stuff. But um, I loved that the walls around the graveyard, the thoughts, the, the idea of that was wonderful. I thought. Mm-hmm. And um, really cool stuff there. I I really liked all the stuff in the graveyard. I think it was just very interesting how it was used. All of the the ghostly utterances, things like that. I really thought that was very well written, and uh, I appreciate how it was portrayed. I appreciate how it was portrayed. In the yeah, show. you know what's interesting is that we've talked a lot about how one of the things he does best and really well jim butcher is write action scenes and get the you know the, as the action the tension builds and what's happening the action you can see it it's visceral it's really cool and he, one of his skills that he had even way back when when you just first got started is like this guy can fucking write an action scene he should be a novelist you know um it's like when the first time mozart stumbled onto a piano when he was a kid you know like like he just is really good at it that was a big action piece and i cared so much less about any of the action than literally everything else all the stuff with the characters interacting all the dialogue was wonderful and that's not because it was poorly written the action the action was great but it just shows how good the other stuff was in that chapter that i like wanted to skip over the action stuff to get to more character moments in that in that chapter it's really really good i mean it it was there were some well-written chapters and some the way things were expressed where i really appreciated it yeah just really good stuff Anything else in the lore questions? Uh, I don't think so. I really, there's so many things. There's so many little finite details. 
the Lananchi, the Diogenes. I mean, I love that stuff. I think it's fantastic. The White Knight's Lady. I really, I really dig so much of it. Yikes. So we, there was a little bit of yikesy stuff this week. Certainly it's, it's not a bad novel on the yikes front. I really mm -hmm. feel that. But uh, what, what were your thoughts this time? I've got a couple um, that I've marked as yikes. The the one was an intentional yikes. I believe um, Leah's description. Leah intentionally dresses like that. She intentionally knows, or she intentionally is drawing Harry's eye. She knows. She knows how he works. So remember, we talked about this in the very first episode of this book, mm -hmm. where he's describing Leah and is a little sexualized. Yeah. And we talked about how yeah, but it's she's supernaturally beautiful and she's, you know, the she are supposed to kind of be in this way. Uh -huh. If he had earned any sort of credit, we might not think this is yikesy, but because of it, it's the first woman in this book he describes this way, like he has every other woman in, in all the books so far, it's tough to give him that benefit of the doubt. Remember, that's yeah. what we how we decided. Yeah, very and, much so. And now it's the same character. It's a similar situation. But because he hasn't been doing this all novel, we think we see it as intentional and it doesn't stand out as, as yikes. Like, I just love that that was one that you, the way you phrase that, because he has now earned a little bit of, of credibility on that front. Yeah. And he, he can lean into the supernatural titty stuff. I, I thought that was also, wonderful. We've also gotten to know Leah a little bit more. Because oh, we've, yeah. she uses, she seems to be some, something, I guess, that kind of uses sex as a weapon, that uses that her, Sure, but she Power. was that same character the first time, and we didn't. Yeah, we, we didn't, didn't know her though. We didn't know that was her norm. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair. Uh, I just, I, yeah, but I think both of those are 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 true and interesting. But also, if you want to get into the nitty gritty, Lenanshi seeks the love of mortals. She seduces mortals. She's an Irish vampire. Like, I mean, that just makes even more sense. It adds additional layers to her and her kind of vibe. Yeah, no, again, again, not super bad. I don't think there was a ton. No, it wasn't too bad. Of even questionable stuff. It is. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of action and a lot going on, but again, just we we do make a point to give him a lot of shit when it's bad, and and it really hasn't been as bad. And I'm I'm really glad that it's starting to mm -hmm. start to trend in that direction, or at least it feels that way. So, um, awesome. What um, what do you have for, for your quotes this week? Uh, the first one is uh, Karen Murphy. I'm about two seconds short of killing the next thing that pisses me off, Harry. And everything keeping me out of bed is pissing me off. Don't get added to that list. <laughs> I just love it. It's just sort of just like that. Fuck you. I want to sleep. I complain about Angry Murphy, but I also love Angry mm -hmm. Murphy. Like when she's when she's sassy pants, I love it. Um, the next one, I actually have three, so sorry. Next one is, oh, there should be some kind of rule against needing to kill anything more than once. <laughs> mm -hmm. Remember last week, I almost read a whole chapter for this, so you really got a lot of leeway for the next <laughs> couple weeks. <laughs> All right, and the last one, um, whatever you want to call them, they were dead as hell, and they weren't going to take it anymore. <laughs> The whole, the whole chunk is, I felt them at that moment as I crossed into the cemetery. The second my shoes hit the ground, ghosts, shades, haunts, 
whatever you want to call them. They're dead as hell and they weren't going to take it anymore. <laughs> I just loved it. I, I'm entertained by just the little tongue-in-cheek shit. Yeah. Again, how he goes from... Again, I, like, as he gets more... It's a defense mechanism, right? His low, his comedy 100%. stuff. And it's it's just great. I love it. Um, in our five white candles surrounded my summoning circle, the points of an invisible pentacle, white for protection. And because they were the cheapest color at Walmart. <laughs> Being a wizard doesn't make money grow on trees. I love it. Um, just, again, just the, the, the ways that Harry is, he struggles through it. And he's, he's a hero. Because he, the, the world needs a hero, yeah. you know? Oh, God, I have like seven that I want to read. My other quote is not funny at all this week. I may get some pushback from some listeners here, but you better not be a fake, Dresden. I'm not really sure what's going on here, but so help me, God. If something happens to the lieutenant because of you, I mean it, Dresden. If you let Murphy get hurt, I'll kill you. Just Rudy growing into his, his big boy pants mm -hmm. a little bit. And we'll talk about a lot of things as we go on. Rudy does stay or stick around for a bit. Um, just a, a great quote. I really like that quote. Mm -hmm. And I like the idea of people working with Murphy. He's, he's clearly not the most loved even by his coworkers, right? Like Stalling's kind of rolling his eyes at him and stuff mm -hmm. and you know, whatever he, he you don't got to like people to respect him. And that's kind of where this seems to be at this point where he's not the favorite, but at this point he's like Murph's our gal. Like we're, we're going to fucking protect yeah. Murphy. We'll see. How, we'll see how it goes. I, I just really like, I also like how it kind of, you better not be a fake. Just a, you know, he's not a fake, but B just leans into again, kind of the Carmichael. And I like seeing people come around and, start to believe in Harry yeah. because Harry doesn't believe in himself. <laughs> so he needs all the people he can get, whether they're uh -oh. good guys, bad guys, people who like him, people who don't, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, those are my quotes. And this week, yeah, we are, whatever. Those are mine. That's what I got for the week. And we are not this week going to forget <laughs> Lissy's Crackpot Theory of the Week. You got one for us? All right. So this one, it's again, it's, it adds a little woo to characters we don't know if they have woo. And I mentioned this in the middle of the scene, uh, in, the, in the graveyard. Charity is more than meets the eye. I think she might be along the same lines as, as how, how Michael is a, is a knight, is a knight of the white god or what have you. I think Charity's in there too. Charity's got some special purpose. Just with how how much ease she wielded the uh, faith magic with this crucifix at the nightmare. So that's where I'm going. Nah, that's my crackpot theory this week. All right. I do dig. I do dig. Um, not specifically this one. I always wonder how much to go back and forth with you on those, because like, sometimes I like, even if they're wildly weird and different, you know, which we've, you've had some that are spot on and some that just don't end up hitting. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, they're all great. And I do love discussing and I, I but it's, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to spoil prejudice at them at all. It's just an interesting thought process for me. Uh, either way. Uh, awesome. Wonderful. Good time. Very good stuff. Um, I do want, we got a, 
I have a new favorite listener. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I, we, uh, we've been lucky enough to have a couple people be awesome and just kick us a couple bucks. Um, this is very much as you've heard a thousand times of this, not our day job. Um, <laughs> and, and that's okay. I'm, I'm sure they're shocked. Yeah. <laughs> These guys have to be professionals. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, uh, it's just really cool that you know, a couple of people have done that. Again, it's, there's a link on our thing to say, I say, buy us a cup of coffee. Cause that's what it's, it's five bucks a month. And a couple of people are awesome and wonderful and spectacular. Um, I don't want to name this person cause I haven't, I literally saw it today and I haven't reached out, but it's a horse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just goes to a horse on Facebook. So I'm going to reach out to this horse uh, and I'm very excited, but I'm sorry that none of you are as cool as my favorite horse listener. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> we're big with the, uh, equestrians, not, we not are. the riders, <laughs> the actual horses. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. No. Maybe what, maybe once in a while, people who ride horses are invited are, uh, by default, listen to us as well, but horses don't the, have opposable thumbs. So that's true. Well, the horse is in charge of what we're listening obviously. to. Like, obviously, but I, uh, we appreciate that so much. And it is, it was just funny that I was trying to find the human being involved to thank them. And it went to a horse's page. And now I'm absolutely convinced that a horse is one of our mm-hmm. fans and I will go to my grave thinking that. So this is awesome. And I'm I love very that. excited, very excited to have ongoing uh dresden conversations with different all sorts of different animals yes so uh just a thank you very much to you know everybody who's been supportive uh literally by downloading this you're supporting by giving us a review you're supporting by telling your friend about us telling your worst enemies that they are suffering through our podcast (laughs) about us whatever you do we appreciate all of y'all and i just want to say thank you but mostly thank you to all the horses who are listening today (laughs) <laughs> sorry i don't speak horse <laughs> oh i just love because that was you do do yay very often and that was very similar and perfect and <laughs> i do wonderful. say yay uh, you, Lucy, for being awesome and hilarious and great as well and thank you guys uh, everybody out there for listening we appreciate you so much for uh giving us the motivation to keep cranking these things out because it's a lot of fun and i'm learning a ton and it's just good stuff so thank you so much uh, lissy any parting thoughts here uh, no, this this was a. I can't wait to see what happens next. We're going on a party, so. Oh, yeah, we are next week. We're gonna cut it down a little bit. We did five this week. We thought we were gonna do six. I um, mean, the last pod, just it's just so much. And by it's so much to break down, I mean we are so verbose and chatty. But uh, also, there's just a lot going on that is really good stuff. So we're gonna start obviously they're headed to the party so we're going to start there next week with chapter 24 and we'll go five more chapters next week so lissy's got the hard work of three i'm gonna relax and just do my two chapters and breeze through it and get carried on her back as usual uh but we're gonna go 24 through 28 next week 24 through 28 and then we'll have 11 more after that to get through and I think that'll be fine. That'll be fine. And we'll do that in two more weeks. We got three more chunks of this book, which is good. This is a big, meaty, chunky book. But we will see you guys next week. I appreciate you. And hopefully I see the sun at some point down here in Southern California for more than 30 minutes at a time. Fingers are crossed. I'm very excited about that. 
vitamin D back in my life. Um, thanks, Liz. Um, I have been Josh. And I am Alyssa. And the podcast was on fire. And it wasn't my fault. Completely unrelated. So my friends are texting our group thread about going to to trivia tomorrow. And um, I said, hell yeah. And my friend Jacob is like, you know, you're going to start... You're so, so close to saying hella. I said, fuck no. I God, refuse no. to say it. So both Liz and Jacob are like, you're going to, you're going to totally, it's only a matter of time. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm like, uh, nope. Nobody, nope. <laughs> Every lock in this house works, just so you're aware. <laughs> um, the maze are very kind people. You, <laughs> you and Corey can bunk up in the garage. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh,